Hi, everybody. This is Peter Diamandis. Welcome to the next edition of Exponential Wisdom. Here with my dear friend and co-host, Dan Sullivan. Dan, hey, pal. How are you, Peter? Good. We were talking before the show about the great team that you put together around Peter Diamandis Enterprise. <laughs> this has been a great, great hiring experience for you and the team that you put together. And since both of us are passionate about entrepreneurism, I think that the whole issue is where do you find great people? How do you attract great people? How do you bring great people on board is a subject of enormous interest to all the entrepreneurs. Yeah. I agree. I mean, this year I've set out a thesis that I'm working on, which is there are three parts of an engine that drive us as entrepreneurs forward. It begins with hiring. If you can find a way to hire consistently hire great people, put them into a culture that allows them to really blossom and flourish and do their best, and then create a mechanism where they have the ability to experiment, to fail, to iterate. They'll generate things. So higher culture experiment, higher culture experiment for me is an engine of creation. And I'm researching that. And I'm talking to a lot of people about how they hire. So I'm excited about your ideas and then sharing what I've learned so far. So I agree with you. You said that in the last podcast, if you're up at two o'clock in the morning, sleepless, it's probably because you've got a bad hire who screwed up or you have to let them go. And it's a, human stuff is such a mess compared to like data science. <laughs> it's so much easier. So what are your thoughts about hiring? When I think about hiring, it's like sourcing great leads, the interview process of how you figure out whether they're a good fit, training them, retaining them, and then firing quickly if they're not working out. So what are your thoughts, pal? Well, first of all, I have to tell you one of the great successes of Strategic Coach. We have 120 team members. We're in three countries. And I would say that one of the great contributing factors to the fact that we have a great team and it's a, a good-sized team for an entrepreneurial company is that Dan does absolutely no hiring whatsoever. Uh-huh. I should tell you that because it's not my unique ability, okay? One of the things is that's true for an enormous number of entrepreneurs. They're not the person to hire. And one of the main reasons, Peter, and you'll relate to this, is that what got you to be a successful entrepreneur right from the start was you were a good salesperson. And you treat a hiring interview as though it's a sales call. And you get enjoyment out of selling the person to take the job. Wow, great insight. So that natural salesman comes out, you know, I don't want this person to leave without being totally excited about this job and wanting to work with me. Well, they don't want the job, they want your job because you're really excited, you know. And it seems like a very small thing, but you were a salesperson. I mean, before you had any kind of, or I was a salesperson before I had any kind. And that salesperson mentality is just the opposite of what you need for a hiring mentality. Wow, it so clicks for me as you say that because I think of myself in interviews rather than letting them talk. I'm like, and here's this and how we do this. and you know, I'm just out this there. This is what we're going to do and everything like that. <laughs> You're just hoping for a sale. Having said that, we were very lucky very early. One is that Babs, my partner in life and my partner in business, is a genius at organization. She's a genius at putting together teams. Her great ability is to spot team leaders, and among the team leaders are people who are just extraordinarily good at hiring. 
And the reason is because they don't have that sales instinct. They almost have a filter in a instinct. The other person on the other side of the table has to prove to them why they would be considered. We were very lucky in the early 1990s to come across a testing process, which is called the Colby Profile. And this is by Kathy Colby. We've actually been responsible for a half a million of these tests among wow. our clientele. Kathy's family name is Wonderlicht, and this was the major IQ test that was taken in the military in the Second World War, and it's still used enormously, the Wonderlicht, which is basically IQ, and Kathy's big thing was that what you have to measure for is not pure intelligence, what you have to measure for is how do people naturally take action to get a result, and then identify what the profile is for the job. And I would never have a discussion, Peter, about hiring unless I mention Kathy Colby. It's Colby, K-O-L-B-E.com. It's 50 bucks a test, and it, it doesn't guarantee success, but I can guarantee you that not using it will probably guarantee failure. We use Colby at PhD Ventures. Kelly Lujan on my team yeah. is a Colby certified individual. And yeah. She does the analysis for me, and I completely get it, and we use that as well, for sure. Yeah, and just to give you an example, the day that I got my own Colby profile, it told me I should do three things, and I should be prevented from doing everything else. <laughs> One of them is that I'm really innovative with concepts, and I can come up with concepts very easily, which lends itself to putting on workshops. I'm a really good salesperson, I'm a really good marketer, and the third thing is I'm a really good coach. Having said that, there's nothing more to say. I'm not good at anything else <laughs> related to the organization. And Peter, I would say that that's very true of you. There's a similar profile that if each of us did the test separately and we compared our notes, there would be a real similarity to our profiles. And that means that we're not backstage people, we're front stage people. Yeah. We make this distinction, front stage and backstage. Front stage is the marketplace. Backstage is all the machinery that has to be put in place, all the processes, all the structures. And there's Colby profiles, not to push this too far, but you know, I'm a great believer in Herb Kelleher. Herb was the founder of Southwest Airlines, probably the mm -hmm. single most successful airline created in the United States over the last 50, 60 years. And he had three principles that you hire for attitude, you train for skill, and you fire for example. Hmm. So in other words, that what I'm looking for and what we're looking for, and we have a platform called the Engagement Multiplier, which is a survey that everybody in Strategic Coach takes once a quarter on the engagement level of our company. And the number one word, I'm not going to go into the profile and I'm not going to describe the technology, but if you're interested, engagementmultiplier.com. The biggest thing that I want to know about someone joining the company is that when they arrive at nine o'clock in the morning, they're fully engaged with the activity that they're going to do for eight hours. They're not going to save their best and most creative energy for outside of work. They're going to bring it to work. They're engaged with who their team members are. They're engaged with the activity they're doing. They're engaged with our clientele who's actually writing the checks to keep the company going. And you can tell, and one of the things that we do, Peter, is that we give them a lot of my books and my audios, you know, and I've written a lot of books that can be read quite easily and lots of audios. 
we go through agencies a lot, so the agencies will actually do the Colby profile for us. Mm-hmm. And we say, if the person doesn't have this profile, we don't want to talk to them about this particular job. But they'll come in, and the first question is, how'd you like that book, The Gap? And they said, which one was that? And you said, you know, The Gap. And they said, you know, I was really busy. I didn't get around to that. It's over. In other words, they're applying for a job, but they're not engaged enough to actually do the homework before they come to the presentation. So we find that if they're not intellectually engaged, they're not interested in the subject. So, you know, if I was looking at what you're doing, if you're not engaged in this whole concept of abundance, if you're not engaged with technology, if you're not engaged, it's a no-go. So you have to be very, very demanding that the people who join you can't just do the job, but they've got to actually be passionate and interested in the job. Yeah. So totally by that, a couple of thoughts uh, I want to add in the conversation here is a phrase that Jeff Holden, a friend of mine, Abundance 360 member, head of products at Uber, said, A's hire A's and B's hire C's. And that stuck with me. The notion that the best people want to hire the best people. Mm-hmm. And he comes from one of the early founders of Amazon, and now he's one of the leadership team at Uber. These are hyper-growth mm-hmm. companies that have a lot of hiring to do. So his concept was they created what they call bar raiser meetings. And they'd have bar raisers where they'd identify in their company who the A's were. These were the top performers in the company. And anybody who was going to get hired had to be approved by one of these bar raisers. Mm-hmm. In other words, individual who said, I don't care how good they look on paper, I don't care how good their whatever is, if they're not going to be an A, put it differently, if we don't care how badly we need this person, we're never going to hire a B or a C for that role. We're going to hire A's. Because mm-hmm. the problem is not the people you hire, it's the people you don't fire a lot of times who are, are making your world a mess. So... Thoughts on that? Yeah, it's another Herb Kelleher line. He said that the moment that you get the idea that you should fire somebody, fire them that day because it took a long time for that thought to get to your brain. You put up with a lot before the... So actually, it's late in the game when the thought gets to your brain that you should fire that person. And he said, invariably, the person in charge of the organization is the last person to know Everybody else in the organization knew this person should go, but they're not the person to do the firing. The person in charge is. Interesting. We call it multiplication by subtraction, that when you fire someone who's not appropriate for your culture, that the moment they leave, there's this boost of energy in the entire culture because it wasn't just weighing down that particular area where they were working. It was weighing down everything. The other thing is I never used the word employee. This is one of the things, and I guess this ventures into the culture area. I always use the words team and team member. We don't have employees at Strategic Coach. We have team members. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. And there's all sorts of language that are built into the employment market, which are what I would say almost guarantee you a bad result. Seeing your team, well, I'll use the word employee. They see employees as a cost. If you look at the the end of the year report, where are employees listed on your balance sheet? They're listed as a liability. They're a cost. And I have refused to ever see anybody who's worked at Strategic Coach as a cost. They're an investment. Yeah, sure. 
they may be a bad investment, but they're investment. I never use the word cost with them. I mean, I can't grow without team. I have to tell you, I don't hire people, but I love creating jobs that people love doing. Mm. So do you have any recommendation on sort of the kinds of questions? So an interview that Babs may do or someone your team might do, what does a good interview look like? There's a very powerful double question that we've used with great effect. And you say to the person, I want to give you two scenarios and I want you to tell me what your answer is to each of them. The first one is you're given a project and the moment that you're given it, you go into a panic. As a matter of fact, you start procrastinating and it's a one week deadline that you have to complete this project and you're sleepless at night. And as you go through the night, as you go through the week, you get more and more panicked. You feel more burdened. You're not actually even getting done the work that you're supposed to get done. And at the end, you try to pull it together, but it doesn't work. Describe what that project is. And you haven't given them any clues about what the job is. You've just talked about how they were responding emotionally. They'll say, well, if it's intensive work with mathematical figures or something like that. It's just terrible. Or I have to appear in public and I have to actually sell in public or I have to make a presentation. And it's very, very powerful because you're not giving them any clues to what the project actually is. You're asking them to just reflect on their experience where they've had that actual emotional response and they'll say that. And they say, okay, I'm going to give you another one. You are given a project, and the moment you hear it, you can't sleep because you're so excited. And you immediately, you start finding everybody else in the organization whose skills are useful, and you put together a team, and you put it together. And at the end, you just do a fantastic job. Everybody's excited, and you jump to the next level. What's the project? Awesome. And those two, getting the extremes out, it's like the best and worst in the scorecard. You know, you get the best experience. And, you know, people realize that if they lie, they're in a lot of trouble. Yeah. And you're really pulling in, to answer it, they're going to their actual experience and memory. So you're yeah. finding out how they polarize. Great. Love it. That's a jewel. Mm-hmm. Any other similar jewels, pal, that you have? Yeah. The one thing that I have personally is, and it really relates to your experimental, you know, you had the three building stones of what you were talking about, the hiring and the culture and the experimentation. You know, I was 100% on board with that before I heard your concept. And that is that I have a concept in Strategic Coach, and it's the second thing in our culture, our, our first building stone of the strategic coach culture is unique ability, that every individual has a unique ability. And we will endeavor, as soon as you get into our company, to find out where you do your best work, and it's also the work that you love doing most. And if that job doesn't exist, we're going to work with you to actually create that job. Interesting. All the key people in our organization didn't start off where they are today. They, they literally created their jobs. So that's unique ability. That's the first platform. The second one is called no defense budget. Okay. What the defense budget is, I don't want any of our team members using an ounce of energy defending themselves because of a mistake. Mm. The moment there's a mistake, we sit down and we say, okay, let's look at what happened here. 
what worked about this, what didn't work about it, what have we learned about the situation? If we were going to do it again in the future, how would we approach it next time? There's not blame, there's learning. No blame, no blame. Because, Peter, my experience is if there's a breakdown, it's a system breakdown, it's not a personal breakdown. That's awesome. Talk to me about how you incentivize your employees. Is everybody salaried? Do people have a commission structure? Do they expect to get raises every year? How does the financial model fit for you? How do you think about it? Yeah, first of all, there's a rule of thumb that when you hit 10 million in revenues, we're in the 30s right now as an organization, but once you hit 10, what you'll discover is that your compensation model has to be very systematic and it has to be perceived as fair. Up until about 10 million, you hire this person, then you hire this person, and you got almost like individual deals with people. It's good to have a system right from the beginning, but it doesn't really cause you trouble until you get to about 10 million in revenues. Mm -hmm. And the reason is that there's just this perception of unfairness and inequality as regards effort and contribution. So there's a long-term strategic coach client by the name of Tom Miller, who has a company called VisionLink. And Tom specializes in companies from 10 million to roughly 200 million. These are all entrepreneurial companies. And what he does is he creates a systematic structure, systematizing all the way that compensation, including bonusing, is actually given. So the way that we do it, Peter, is And I have to tell you, I'm only giving you the concept here because I'm not actually involved in the activity Mm -hmm. in our company, but we have open book management. So all the financial results of the company are known to everybody with one exception, and that's salaries. People don't know each other's salaries, but what all the money, what things are spent on, what things cost and everything like that in the company, how much money is made. Even Babs and I, people know what our income is because our income is 15% of gross revenues. So right from the beginning, Babs and I, if we made a million dollars, 150,000 was ours, okay? If you make 10 million, 1.5 million is ours. Mm -hmm. And the reason is that we're the venture capitalists, we're the bank. So we had a year during the downturn where we weren't quite sure, this is the 208, 209, 210, downturn where this is about the fifth downturn that I had been through in my entrepreneurial career. And I knew you have to get right on it. And we said, next year, we want everybody to take a 10% drop and that's non-refundable. So it's just, you'll get paid 90% for the next year, but we won't have to lay anybody off if everybody does this. And Babs and I aren't gonna take any money at all for the next year. Mm. So we're gonna leave our portion in to strengthen things and then at the end of the year. And ours wasn't refundable either. It wasn't a loan. We just did it. But one of the reasons why this worked is that everybody knew the books. So we have about 40 people out of the 120 who are totally familiar with receivables, payables, all the budgeting for everything. And then the big thing is what Tom did is we established a long-term compensation and short-term compensation. So the higher you are in the company, there's bonusing structures, which are long-range structures, because we expect that you're gonna be with us a long time. For people who were just hired last year, they have short-term bonusing. 
And what we do every year is we have a matrix which has two lines. It has a horizontal line and it has a vertical line. And one of them is revenues and the other one is profits. Mm. So you go up one matrix and you go across the other matrix and then wherever it meets, it's a percentage. And last year it was 5%. So it's 5% of everybody's income and they immediately get that at the next payday. So if you're making 100000 at Coach, you get a $5,000 bonus. Now, having said that, we have about two dozen people in the company who are on straight commission. So our salespeople who bring people into the program are straight commission. After about a year, they get a salary with a little bit of bonusing the first year. And then we have our program advisors who are paid for renewals of getting people in the program. It's only a certain kind of person who can actually go on straight commission. Yeah. And uh, those sales people are amazing. They're opportunity-based rather than security-based. Yeah. We've been in business. You know, we survived for, you know, not survived, but thrived for 27 years. So there, there is some wisdom. But those early questions and the testing, I think, is really crucial. Colby has just solved an enormous number of issues with people. What about you? You have no wisdom whatsoever. I haven't heard anything out of well, you. Well, so I consider myself lucky versus good. <laughs> I was extremely happy to get Marissa in, who brought in Kelly, who brought in Greg, and then Cody brought in Max. And so I found actually people bringing in people they know. Yeah. What I've been doing lately is taking people in on one month, two month internships. I know pretty quickly whether or not it's going to work. And I have no compromise rule in that regard. So I'm trying to learn as much as I can about hiring. And I'll be sharing that in the year ahead, because I think fundamentally, as we said in the beginning, hiring is like the most important thing an entrepreneur can do. And if you hire great people and put them into a great culture, they will create great products and services. And you as an entrepreneur will thrive with your teammates in that regard. So we'll wrap here and see you on our next podcast. Thanks, Peter. Take care, pal.